welcome to the Avenging Hour. I am Jason. <laughs> I, I'm John. You're looking at me like, I'm not sure what you expect. Hey. I'm Jason. Yeah. Uh, you know. I realized I got so busy today I didn't post very much to the Instagram account. I'm just realizing that. Can I can I just say about it? I'm gonna I'm gonna pull back the curtain a little bit here. We usually record on Thursdays. Yes. And then I put the podcast up. I usually edit it over the weekend and have it up Sunday night, Sunday afternoon. Yeah. It's Wednesday now and I'm completely thrown off. It's true. We're recording a day ahead of time so we can uh, celebrate my wife's 50th birthday tomorrow. Hey, happy Yay. birthday, wife. So, yeah, and I read all these issues like a week ago and I don't remember what we're doing. Well, that's what's really <laughs> weird is because normally we record on Thursdays and you, at, on Wednesdays at this point in time, you're normally reading your first issue. Yeah, I'm usually starting it. Yeah. Finish, finishing up the last one on the in the car ride over here. Yeah. Which is really awkward, but, so this is all very strange to me. Happy Wednesday. Very, very, <laughs> Stephen strange to you? <laughs> no, he's not on the team yet. So, I have a question for you. Oh, imagine that. You may or may not be aware. <laughs> Probably not. That there was, a couple months ago, there was an election, and recently there's been a new president here in these United States sworn into office, and there's been some, it seems like it's getting, he's getting a lot of press. So you're saying he's popular? I think the media considers him a popular source of of uh, entertainment, a popular source of information. So you're saying that the voters didn't find him popular. I'm not making any kind of a judgment on that. Maybe he didn't win the popularity part of the... Well, I don't understand how you could be president if you weren't, if you didn't win the the popular vote. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I don't understand how it works. I don't know. (laughs) So here's my question for you. What Avenger are you running for office, for president? Who is their vice presidential candidate? And once they are elected... Who is there? Let's say Secretary of State and Defense, and then I'm not going to go through all the cabinet positions. <laughs> Thank you. Throw in, <laughs> throw in whatever other, throw in one wild, you know, one other. Pick another person from the administration you think that would be included. Okay. Uh, Who'd you run for president? Well, we have to think about this because, and and let's assume and we're we're saying Avengers members, like all time Avengers members, not yes. ones that we know so far. Exactly. And also, let's say that let's just assume everyone's eligible, but they're not. Well, no, they're not. But let's just say that they are. Or do you want to take out of consideration those that are eligible? Well, that's what I was thinking. Don't you want to run Thor for president? No. No, I wouldn't, actually. But, but no, we can't. We can't Mortals. Well, they have to be U.S. citizens. I mean, you have to stick by the guidelines of being president. I don't understand why the last president this country has wasn't an American citizen. Right? That's what I read. Oh. Wait, the one before the, the TV guy? The one before <laughs> the TV guy, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't remember him. My understanding is... I don't remember him because these past two months have just erased everything. Well, the TV guy used to say he wasn't an American citizen. Well, if the TV guy is the president now, then he must have been right. Right? That would make sense. Yeah. So, it all makes so much sense. So, you don't have to... I really didn't intend to get into this much... uh, (laughs) Politics? Yeah, I was just like, (laughs) let's just have fun. Our vague avoidance politics? And elect a president. I was... uh, Well, the first thing that popped in my head was I can't... You can't do someone that's been, like, a convicted felon. I mean, I guess you can. Is that against the law for a president to be a convicted felon? Is that part of Or do you just have to be, like, a, a, re, a citizen and a certain age? Are How those many the convicted felons are there on the team? Well, I was thinking Falcon used to be a... Uh, was he ever convicted? Well, Luke Cage served time in prison. Yes, you can't probably run Luke Cage. And I'm guessing, you know, people like Thor isn't a U.S. Not, citizen. I don't... Is Vision a... <laughs> that's a really... Was, was he made in the U.S.? So there's Maybe all kinds of weird parameters. I mean, obviously the first choice is Captain America. Sure, he's an easy an easy slam dunk. But I don't think I'd go that route. I think I would pick... Um, you know what? I'm going to pick an experienced businessman. Oh, no. That's a bad idea. Really? You need someone who has a background in politics. Huh. 
I don't know. I think a, I think a businessman could be a. I think no, that people think might really rally behind that. I think that's a bad idea. At least, you know, people that don't know any better that live in certain places. All right, so fine. So you say experienced businessman. So Simon Williams? No, Danny Rand. I'm going with Iron Fist. Danny Rand. Rand for president. Rand has no... Nobody knows who he is. But he has such an appeal. To who? Ladies. <laughs> so we're going... We're going. No, say my original thought was I'm going to do Iron Fist and Luke Cage is going to be his vice president, but I can't. I can't do that. So you, you, were you thinking that you're going to go with the JFK strategy of, look, I look pretty, so elect me? That works, right? Probably, has, probably has a weird accent. If Danny Rand's running against Nixon, I suppose it would work just fine. I don't know. There's not really a lot of um, presidential types in the <laughs> Avengers roster. I mean, for the purpose of speeding this up and getting this done before it's an hour long, I would, let's just go with Captain America because it makes the most sense. So who do you, and he could win. Like, right. I think we both agree that Captain America could win. Sure. Who would you... And he's certainly old enough. He's like, he's like eight, 90 years old. So... Um, what would they put down as an official age? Right? Well, you'd have to put him on his birthday. <laughs> he's 40 slash 90. Uh, and who would he be his running mate? Uh, Wasp. You know, I could see that. Though I also think... Because I would think he would want to pick a woman. Yes. But I think if you go to the Kurt Busiek issues... You could pick the Scarlet Witch and do really well with her because she was basically his deputy leader then. She's not American. Well, neither was Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's not president. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and your point is? <laughs> Help me. Um, Plus, I figure Wasp has some money behind her, so. That is true. That is true. Yeah. And she knows. Wasp must know a lot of the big money donors. I mean, Wasp is, Wasp is basically a Republican, in at least in, in money terms. So Wasp is her name. She would be, <laughs> she would be helpful as a fundraiser. Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't Did get Wasp. Is, for a minute, it went right over my head. All right, so who's he going to pick for his Secretary of State? Well, it's got to be somebody that appeals to a lot of people. He can, you know, glad hand a lot of folks. I don't know what the requirements are for Secretary of State. Do you have to be a U.S. citizen for Secretary of State? Yeah. Anybody. So let's just scrap that and pretend there aren't any rules, and I'm going to go with Hercules. Hercules? Hercules. He's an idiot. Yeah, like, can you see him going to, like, countries and, like, he wouldn't even be hugging, he'd be hugging prime ministers and not just shaking hands, he'd be picking people up. And Now, you know what, Hercules, you know, it's often considered polite when you meet these people to give them a gift. And you know what Hercules considers a good gift? What's that? Punching them. Mm, a flagon of mead? Prepare to receive <laughs> the gift! And then he hits you. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, fine. Secretary of Defense? It's gotta be Iron Man, right? No. Really, I'd go, I'd go with Carol Danvers. I'd go Miss Marvel. Mm, that's a little too military for me. I'm going for someone who understands the technology that the military uses. Who builds the technology to them. I mean, a little inside me there. And that <laughs> seems to be a little bit of a conflict of interest, which apparently we don't have any more well, yeah, government anyway. But doesn't matter. Can't the president just like wave a magic wand and get rid of conflicts of interest? But that seems to be a conflict of interest. Pretend to sign a, a weird pile of papers on a table? Can't that happen? All right, so I expected this to be like a five-minute, hey, we're going to have fun and be goofy, and this turned into an hour and a half long. <laughs> this is why our government currently sucks. So <laughs> This is Jason's sarcastic rant. Uh, we're going to have a, like a ringer. We're going to throw somebody else in there. Um, Secretary of Agriculture, Mantis. No, I was going to go with uh, Secretary of the Interior, Stingray. Secretary of... Isn't the, that like, isn't Interior like the fish and wildlife and gaming and, yeah, it's Stingray, man. Is it, well, what, environmental protection, that would be Mantis. Yeah, because be she Mantis. doesn't just hug trees. She loves trees. She loves trees. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> oh, zing. We're moving started. along. Previously on the Avenging Hour, we learned that Marvel's top villains order their henchmen in bulk from secret training camps run by awesome dudes in skull masks who can fight better than ninjas. Plus, that's the best sentence I've ever written. And now, episode 87. 
We're doing three episodes today, which I'm so glad we didn't waste three episodes today. Yeah, jeez. We're doing three issues today, so I'm so glad we didn't waste time at the top of the episode (laughs) with nonsense. We're starting with Avengers number 197. This is from July of 1980. 197. We're getting close to 200. I can't wait. It's going to be epic. It is by David Michelini and Carmine Infantino, and it is called Prelude of the War Devil. Avengers Mansion. The Avengers have returned from their run-in with the Taskmaster, and after proving themselves consummate professionals the last few issues, they start this one by getting stuck in their own elevator. Thanks, Avengers, from someone who spent the last two episodes arguing that you've grown up and become more adult. And why do you even need an elevator? You're superheroes. Are the three flights of stairs a little too much for you, especially since half of you can fly? The Vision helps out by phasing out of the elevator, and the shrinking heroes use their abilities in the mansion to good use for once making the elevator feel much less crowded. Soon Iron Man has the problem fixed and the group is free, greeted by Jarvis, who offers seltzer and aspirin. Cap gives the group 45 minutes to refresh and then there to meet up again for a debriefing. That's just enough time for the Beast to work on his plan to get Wonder Man laid. <laughs> the leftover remnants of the 70s and free love. Meanwhile, we go to Detroit to check out a Stark International plant. But this isn't just any SI plant. This one houses the gigantic, rusty-hued robot called Red Ronin. Dr. Cohen, who had been working on repairing the mighty magenta metal megabot, may be just a tad unbalanced. Why would I make such a blatant condemnation of his character? It's because he just knocked out his superior with a wrench and hijacked the big red battlesuit, stuttering like Porky Pig the entire time. We'll see what Dr. McWacky Pants is up to soon, but now it's back to the mansion, where Jocasta and Iron Man have come to see Captain America during during one of the latter's workouts. Iron Man suggests that they make Jocasta an Avenger, which is awfully nice since they already basically told her they would after the fight with Taskmaster. Cap says they'll do it at the next regular meeting, and Jocasta is so joyful that she runs out to tell her best friend, The Vision. Well, he'd be her best friend if he had friends. He does not, because one must have emotions to have friends, and he has no emotions. None, I tell you! He's so emotionless that he doesn't even notice Jocasta is hitting on him and suggesting they have robot sex. But our emotionless robot can't stop thinking about one particular human, his wife, the Scarlet Witch. Wanda has been away to figure out some things, fleeing all the way to the southern beaches of New Jersey for some alone time. Well, it was alone time. Now Ms. Marvel has found Wanda, and she wants to talk. Miss Marvel knows that Wanda has been thinking of having kids, and boy, oh boy, would that be a mistake. Diapers, motherhood, kids, that's all a plan on the part of the patriarchy. Be free of them! You're a sensual superhero goddess, and you should focus on that! Wanda doesn't buy into all of that, but she has decided that having a baby is the wrong choice at this time. She can't be a parent while she and the Vision are active Avengers, and she's ready to return to the team. Let's get going then, says Ms. Marvel, right before she collapses. Hmm, I don't think that was supposed to happen. As always, we zip back to the mansion, this time to find that Iron Man wants to step down permanently as chairman. Cap will stay in charge until an election can be held. Cap gives the team the news of the debriefing, and after an hour of debriefing, the team is free to go. Beast and Wonder Man head out for a night on the town. Translation, sex, sex, and more sex. Um, not with each other. Ant-Man leaves to go spend time with his daughter... And the Pims are apparently going to stay at the mansion for a night on the town. Translation, sex, sex, and more sex, um, with each other. Eh, go dirty the sheets at your own house, you two. Hey, I wonder how Beast and Wonder Man are getting along with those women and the hoped-for sex. Let's check in with them as they go to a local nightclub. And we find out that Simon's date has brought her kid. 
And she's divorced. And her kid's a gigantic brat. Uh-oh. Then there's a pointless scene with Iron Man and the Vision where it seems like the Vision doesn't have emotions, but then we find out he does. And I'm so tired of that device, I refuse to even mention this scene. So we're going to end our issue checking back in with Dr. Stutter Sweats and Red Ronin. Dr. Goofy Goatee has made himself all comfy in Red Ronin's control center, and now he's taking off because he is going to start World War III. Dun-dun-dun! Well, that's the kind of cliffhanger that really makes you want to read the next issue, and I can't wait to... Wait. There's more? But what could be more exciting than the giant robot flying off to start World War III? What could possibly be a more important plotline on which to end the book? It must be... Oh, a doctor tells us that Ms. Marvel fainted because she's three months pregnant? And she's crying about it? That's our cliffhanger? Oh well. To be continued. Our roll call this issue is Beast, Iron Man, Vision, Wasp, Yellow Jacket, Wonder Man, and Captain America. We also see Ant-Man, Jarvis, Scarlet Witch, and Ms. Marvel. And I suppose our villain is Dr. Cohen and Red Ronin. Though they don't really do anything villainous this issue. Well, Cohen does. Is it just me or is the mansion's front lawn getting bigger and bigger? <laughs> as you pointed out before, it kind of goes back and forth as to how much of a courtyard the Avengers have. Like we saw when the uh, those two orderlies came to get uh, Selby... A couple issues back, and it looked like, you know, maybe eh, 15, 20 feet between the gate and the front door. Now you're going up like a driveway for like an English cottage. And then, you know, a hundred issues ago, we had the thing where the, the front door of the thing was like three steps down on a, like a brownstone. I like the fact that the narration seems surprised that the Chaskmaster wasn't actually captured. <laughs> Which makes me wonder where the narration has been for the past 197 issues. He's filling in for the normal guy. What was the purpose of the broken elevator scene? I don't Why know. is that there? You and, could, and why was Vision even in the elevator to begin with? Why are, like I said, why are any of these people in the elevator? Half of them can fly, and it's three flights of steps. Can Cap not walk three flights of steps to get from the roof to the to the meeting room? Maybe, really? it's, maybe it's like our Capitol building here in Pennsylvania where there's an elevator that takes you up to offices, but there's no other way to get to those offices. Right? <laughs> Jarvis mentions, who, by the way, Jarvis... We'll be talking probably a little bit about the art issue from Colin. Yeah. yeah. But I'm relatively sure Jarvis is being played by Hammerhead's understudy <laughs> at least one of these panels. He seems a little squat. Um, he, he mentions a Mr. Snyder calling for a possible interview with Captain America. That would presumably Scott be... Snyder? The Batman writer? That would presumably be Tom Snyder, who had a talk show in 1980 called Tomorrow with Tom Snyder. Yes. It aired after The Tonight Show did. I, and I suppose we should talk about what the heck Red Ronin is. Is that something left over from Shogun Warriors? Yes. Red Ronin first actually appeared in Godzilla number 6, which was in January of 1978. So we need to go back. Cast your mind back to a time when... When Marvel Comics pretended that Godzilla existed? When Marvel Comics had a had the license to Godzilla, and instead of putting it in its own universe like they normally did... <laughs> yeah. They decided to just throw Godzilla in the middle of the Marvel Universe so he could fight S.H.I.E.L.D. and all these different things. Stark International and S.H.I.E.L.D. worked together to build Red Ronin to fight Godzilla, which it did multiple times. It's about 100 feet tall, weighs over 23 tons, and has superhuman strength and limited invulnerability. It can also fly, has a shield, or has a, has a shield that has, like, blades in it. Like laser blades. Also, in the, in the last time that Red Ronin was used, he was decapitated. And that's why he's been at Stark International. That's why Dr. Cohen's been fixing him. Fixing him up. I would like to point out that, um, you might not know this, whenever S.H.I.E.L.D. and Stark International work together, they call themselves Stark. That's, uh, never mind. <laughs> uh, I only have a few notes here, actually. And my biggest note is, this is clearly a fill-in issue, right? I don't think it's supposed to be. I think this is, I think this is supposed to be a, kind of like the interlude issue we had before, the Taskmaster issues. 
But the problem is that, first of all, it's not drawn by George Perez. No. And the other problem is... And it's not interesting, like Taskmaster. Yeah, well, a lot of these a lot of these scenes seem to be pretty pointless. I mean, you made the observation, I don't think it was completely unfounded, that the scene between Captain America and Ms. Marvel in Interlude was kind of pointless. Yeah. But these issues are all pointless, or these scenes are almost all pointless. Like the three-page elevator scene at the beginning like of the Like the three-page elevator scene. Yeah, it seems like don't, they're just filling space. We don't learn anything about any of the characters there. It's not amusing. Like, I at least like the Ms. Marvel Captain America scene because they did a thing with kids throwing snowballs at them. Yeah. But the, the elevator scene is just pointless. What, um... I don't remember what the credit was here for Carmine Infantino. It wasn't actually... He didn't actually do the pencils, did he? Didn't he do, like, drafts? He did the layouts. The layouts. Okay. Well, that would explain why the artwork is so incredibly uneven. Yes, it there is. There are pages here where... The page you had up earlier... For those who can, you know, see it through the through the medium of podcasting, <laughs> um, there was a picture. It was uh, Scarlet Witch and Ms. Marvel talking, and it, the artwork between the with the two women actually looks really good. Yeah, it's not bad at all. A couple pages before that, there was a Captain America and Iron Man were talking to each other, and it looked weird because Iron Man had eyeballs. Please <laughs> look at that bottom panel on the. <laughs> it always seems so strange to me when they put a face behind the mask. <laughs> Does have eyeballs. And then the very last page of the issue, I think Carmine Infantino fell asleep while he was drawing it. Wanda's eyes look like they're running away from each other. <laughs> and that doctor, in the next panel, his entire face is smooshed down into like the lower third of his head. It's horrible. And the panel above him, the perspective is all off. Look how long Wanda's legs are in the forefront. I don't know what is going on on that page. I can't breathe in And there's pages back further. There's some there's some weird inking going on with Vision where it's like they couldn't tell where Infantino's... Yeah, that one. Look how fat Vision looks in that second panel. <laughs> like they couldn't tell where his pencils were, so they're just like, I will just ink this whole space in. Horrible artwork. The artwork is bad. Fun. Bad, bad, bad. During the Beast Wonder Man date scene, I like that Simon's trying to modernize, but he (laughs) assumes, immediately assumes that because his date has a child, she must be married. Doesn't consider for the fact that she could be a widow, that she could be divorced, that maybe she was never married. I'm just surprised he didn't jump to the conclusion that she was loose. Oh, she's got a kid already, huh? Yeah, thank God Ms. Marvel's not here. (laughs) Until what a horrible idea this I like how he upgraded from his red coat to a purple one. That's his going out coat. <laughs> Beast, by the way, mentions Herman's Hermits. Herman's Hermits are a British band that formed in 1964 that were quite popular in the late 60s. Sure. This is now 1980, so why are we talking about them? Well, their fashions look like they're still stuck in the 60s. What is Beast wearing? Um, a flowered... They're like a Hawaiian shirt with a with a Goodwill <laughs> thrift shop blazer over top of it. I have no more specific comments on this. Issue. I don't either because nothing happens. No, it really isn't. I just wanted to make fun of the artwork for like ten minutes and then we could move on. What about Stan Soapbox? Stan Soapbox wants to remind us of a little thing called Epic Illustrated. Never, I never heard of it. Epic Illustrated. No idea. Uh, that Marvel checklist there notes the debut of Dazzler number one. Just wanted to. Point out, Dazzler, number one. Coming in in 1980 when disco was in full swing. <laughs> right. Just as it was growing in popularity. Just as it was peaking right at the top of, yep. No bullpen bullets again because the checklist is still trying to take over the page. So I guess we go to letters? Letters. Judy Krause from Benola, Pennsylvania congratulates the team for including a few Pittsburgh landmarks into issues 192 and 193, but then she goes a bit overboard looking to turn the comic into some sort of tourism pamphlet. I she know. starts mentioning like museums and like bridges and everything She's else. She's like, there's so many places in Pittsburgh you didn't mention. Well, yes, because it's not the amazing Pittsburgh. 
we should have just done like a whole two page spread overhead map. And we could have, like, tracked the Avengers fighting through Mount Pittsburgh. She must be, have been really upset when the new, with, with the graphic novel The Pit when Marvel blew up Pittsburgh. <laughs> that, they did that as retaliation. <laughs> They're just going to get rid of Judy Dedicated Krause. Dedicated to Judy Krause. <laughs> Let's see. And Michelini there does tell us that a shooter, Jim Shooter's from Pittsburgh, and that he's the one that suggested Michelini use it for a setting, so Michelini is a suck-up. Uh, let's see. The team reveals that Joe Conroy was supposed to be black the whole time. Referencing some alleged, quote, black dialect that I do not recall him speaking yes, at all. Yes, yes, it's true. I, and then they blame it all on the colorist. Yeah, David Michelani's like, I was so upset because I had given him this black dialect. And I'm like, I'm glad that it's not an overblown 1970s black exploitation dialect that Marvel like, normally did. Like jive talkers on the... But by the same token, dude, he he didn't read as... As any particular ethnicity. Yeah. Did you notice that Patrick Ivey of Myrtle, Missouri wanted to know if the Vision is a robot? I was assuming that Pat Ivey there was like eight years old. I still don't understand how you could miss it because he mentions it every single (laughs) issue. Well, let's see. I knew he wasn't a human. I do like he, he Michelini in the in the response to that mentions what happened with the Falcon. He says uh, he had brought the Falcon onto the team and he wanted to do some conflict between the Falcon and the other members, and it wasn't going to be about race. It was going to be about the fact that he took Hawkeye's spot in the team and they didn't choose him. But then he realized at that time that the Falcon didn't have anything else in his personality but race. So well, no. <laughs> then he went off to write the Avengers novel. And as soon as he brought the Falcon on the team, then didn't write, like, the, the, the next seven issues. If you remember, they were all Stephen Grant, and we had all oh, those right. issues that weren't written by Michelini. Right, and he's right, like, right. and then when I came back to the book, I'm like, well, now he's been around for eight issues, and if everybody's like, oh, yeah, wait a minute, I don't like you. He's like, I thought it would read a little weird. I should probably just get rid of him. So that's why he shuffled him off the team. Cause Everybody ruined Falcon. Yeah. So I, the problem with post-it notes weren't invented back then, so <laughs> they just put a post-it note on the script. Uh, but I thought it was a nice to get in, to get to get an explanation for that because I certainly wondered about it. Bernardo Calagrosso from Quebec thinks Iron Man and Captain America are boring, and that the team should be Vision, Wanda, and the Beast with a group of all new characters, and then they would all be uh, they would all work together with the Beast, Vision, and. Um, Wanda being the, the, the mentors, and eventually some of the new characters would become Avengers, then they would start, they, they would just keep rotating new characters in and out. Well, if he can hold on for like another hundred issues or so, he'll probably get his wish. I also kind of like the fact that <laughs> David McElhinney's answer is great, because he's like, so you, so you think Iron Man is boring? I write the Iron Man comic book, <laughs> and I really don't think Iron Man is boring, thanks so much. Alrighty, MVP? Iron Man for stepping down as leader. I picked the Beast because he knows that if you're getting some, you need to help your friend get some too. Useless character? Vision. Why is he suddenly so emotionless? I picked the Beast because you need to vet your friend's dates better because if your friend isn't getting any, you're not getting any. I also wrote down, or Ms. Marvel for stalking Wanda all the way to wherever she is. I really let it go. What happened to Wanda? She went out to have some alone time. Oh, I need to go find her. <laughs> I need to go talk to her about being alone. Uh, do you find a quote taken out of context? Ah, nuts. I went with, yay, Mr. Muscles, give me a ride. Avengers level threat. No. We don't really have a threat, so final grade. I gave it a D. I don't like it. The artwork is horrible and nothing happens. I give it a C. You know, and here's here's my thing, and I feel pretty much the same way you do about it, though I guess I'll be a little bit nicer to it. But my other, my other thing is, this is basically interlude. And you know what interlude was? Three issues ago. I don't think we needed to do it 
again quite so quickly. I think we could have held off a little bit, but the Avengers are like a, a heart monitor. Like it was beep beep, and then it was like a straight line for a while, and then beep beep. <laughs> we get a little bit of action, and then nothing. Apparently. All right, moving on. It's all you. All right, issue one ninety eight of August of nineteen eighty by David Michelini and George Perez. Hey, we got the team back. This one is called Better Red Than Ronan. Do you know where that came from? No, tell me. Title is taken from the phrase Better Red Than Dead, which was a Cold War slogan often attributed to British philosopher Bertrand Russell, who himself insists it came from some West German friends of his. Uh, the basis of the phrase is that being a communist is better than being dead, which is you know, difficult to argue with, I guess. I would rather be alive. So you're a communist sympathizer. Of course, the opposite of the phrase was also popular, depending on which side of the aisle you stood and how much macho juice was running through your veins. You know, the better dead than red. I don't want to be a communist. I'd rather be dead than be a commie, man. And the phrase has been used so many different ways. Better dead than Fred. <laughs> better off dead. Better dead than bread. Drop dead people Fred. are gluten intolerant. <laughs> they still use it. Right said Fred. Same thing. After his horrible blind date, Wonder Man took Beast out for a few drinks. And then a few became a lot, and then a lot found them on the wrong side of the Hudson River watching the sunrise. And then that sun turned into a giant red robot. By the time the two heroes sober up enough to follow the Tin Titan, the Avengers swoop down in a Quinjet, snatch the duo from the ground below, and bring them up to speed. Considering the team's success rate of late, I'm sure having two drunk members helping out won't be a hindrance. <laughs> The Avengers follow Red Ronin as it makes its way towards the Bronx and launch their first attack against the oversized steel samurai outside a landfill. Unsurprisingly, their attacks prove fruitless. Even Vision is repelled by a proton field as he tries to phase into the robot. On the ground, Jocasta, Wonder Man, and Beast attempt to breach the robot's outer armor. Wonder Man eventually punches a door open only to be zapped in the face by some sort of security system. Jocasta and Beast leave Wonder Man writhing on the ground and jump inside Red Ronin as its foot takes another quarter-mile step. The flying heroes up at Red Ronin's head are happy to see Nick Fury arrive inside S.H.I.E.L.D.'s anti-Godzilla aircraft called the Behemoth, which looks like a flying cinder block. While Red Ronin is distracted fighting off Fury, Wasp and Yellowjacket fly in through the robot's eye holes and start zapping Dr. Cowan in the face. This causes Cowan to reveal his secret plan, to attack Russia, which will cause a nuclear war, whose aftermath will finally bring all humanity together in the common cause of survival. Can someone say cuckoo? I knew you could. When the Pims are distracted by Cowan's obvious insanity, the good doctor turns on an exhaust fan which blows them back out the eye holes, and now nothing can stop Red Ronan. Meanwhile, at the hospital, Ms. Marvel reveals to Wanda that her baby has no father. She also reveals her true identity. And then she starts talking in third person. So let's shift back to the site of some real action, a backyard barbecue in Yonkers. Yes, Joey and his dad are flipping some burgers when Red Ronin comes traipsing through their grass. The Avengers are still uselessly shooting the robot's armored hull, but decide to regroup aboard the behemoth when their plan continues to fail. Here, they come up with a new plan to electrocute the robot using Iron Man as a conduit for the behemoth's batteries. As soon as Red Ronin is standing in water, they zap it until it falls. Let's just assume it didn't crush an entire neighborhood beneath it. And oops, the robot got back up. I guess it didn't work. But what's this? Dr. Cowan is unconscious and the command cables have been severed. That must mean the robot is operating on its own, with response circuits locked onto its final instructions to destroy. Later that day, Hawkeye's playing cards with his security team at Crosstech when an alarm goes off. The battling bowman rushes to the source, but all he sees are some huge red metal columns. Wait a minute, those aren't columns, they're legs. To be continued. Roll call. Our team is Wonder Man, Beast, Iron Man, Captain America, Vision, and Wasp. Yellow Jacket and Jocasta are still helping out. Nick Fury joins the fight. Ms. Marvel and Scarlet Witch whine in a hospital room. Hawkeye makes a cameo at the end. And our villain, I guess, is Red Ronin? 
Him or Dr. Cohen, but Dr. Cohen's horrible, so we'll go with Red Ronin. Red Ronin, Red Ronin. Do you have this any? issue was phoned in. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> I kept trying to come up with something. I know, right? Me too. Just came to you. That's nice. Did you notice they spelled Ronan wrong on the cover? That's uh, the bad start right from the beginning. Red Ronan. Red Ronan. Ronan the Accuser will be following a, uh, a suit. I'm right, sure I didn't even on. think about that. He's in a, it's the, They've embarrassed the Kree guy. Yeah, right? He's like, that's not. I'm green. <laughs> I love the Drunk Avengers. And it's nice that with Iron Man now on the wagon, someone's picking up his slack. And then some. Um, of course, they go with the really, really annoying cliche of all they need is coffee and they'll be sober, which drives me crazy, but whatever. They say that they found them. They're like, how'd you find us? And this is one of those things that Roy Thomas used to do where the explanation is stupid. And it could have, first of all, why do you have to ask? But second of all, if you are going to ask, they, are, they say that they tracked the beast's mutant energies. Yeah, Jocasta did, because Jocasta does that, remember? Which didn't make any sense, because she's a machine. How can she track organic energy? Well, it doesn't make any sense anyway, because the beast does not generate energy. It would have made more sense to say they tracked Simon's ionic energy. Which he actually has. Or they could have just said that their ID cards have tracking chips in them. Or they could have just said, it's three in the morning and we flew over the bridge and you're blue. <laughs> we happen to be going this way and we and saw we two idiots. You. Yeah, there's nobody else around. It just seemed like an unnecessary explanation and one that didn't really track for me. I liked pretending that they were drunk this whole issue, though. It explained a lot <laughs> why, why Iron Man or Wonder Man punched that door and then he got zapped and fell down. And they're just like, ah, just leave him there. He'll be fine. <laughs> Sleep off. <laughs> And Iron Man says that... Uh, is Iron Man rubbing his chest hair? <laughs> <laughs> He's, we were like, he and Simon are close. He says, Iron Man says to them, since Red Ronin's heading into our territory, S.H.I.E.L.D. has asked us to try and stop it. Isn't their territory the whole country? Potential the whole world? I don't really understand what that means. I don't know. Are there some parameters between S.H.I.E.L.D. areas of expertise and... Not that we have ever met in the in the past, or not that we've ever been informed of in the past. I'm pretty sure to Wanda meet Carol Danvers during the Kree Scroll War because she was in charge of of security at the Cape. Right. I, I felt like when Mission Marvel was like, "I'm Carol Danvers," Scully would have been like, "Oh, I remember you. You used to dress in a military uniform and worked with Captain Marvel." Yeah, but Wanda's already been possessed at least once since then. Maybe those, twice. See, those things get forced out. Yeah, it's useless. Wasp and Yellow Jacket flew in through the eye holes. That doesn't seem like it's right. The eyes aren't... Like, that's... That, there, there would be a covering there. You would assume. Yeah. You would very much assume that. And if that was the case, and if they got blown out by these exhaust fans, why didn't they just go right back in? Especially because... And then grow to, you know, full size so they can't be blown out of an exhaust fan because they're not an insect anymore. God knows I'll be talking about this in a moment. But <laughs> Red Ronin can fly. So if there's no... Oh, maybe they didn't have that part repaired yet. If there's no glass or whatever in the eye holes, <laughs> that's he's Doctor Cohen's going to be covered with bugs by the time he gets <laughs> and, to Russia and pigeons. Yes. <laughs> so I don't really. Yeah, there would definitely have to be some material there. Let's say, for argument's sake, that Yellow Jacket and Wasp flew into the eye holes. They got blown back out. Wouldn't they have gone to Iron Man and gone, "Hey, you can shoot in through that eye hole, you know?" Right? Yeah. Just aim here. You can just take that guy out right through the eye hole. It seems like a very poor defense system. For a giant robot. Well, let's talk... Well, let me talk about something that has to relate to the eye holes, which is Cohen's plan, which is that it makes no sense. And I don't just mean because he's a crazy paranoid person and the idea of starting World War Three doesn't make sense. What doesn't make sense is he's flying to Russia in this robot. But to conserve fuel, he's going to walk to the edge of New York State and then fly. And so, so supposedly, first of all, he was in Detroit. So he supposedly walked... 
Right? Last year she was in Detroit, right? No, he was at the Stark facility. Was that in Detroit or was it in New York? Hold on. Did I, did I say? In Detroit. It was a Stark International Planet plant in Detroit where we see him last issue. Oh. Which means that... He so was, he's already rampaged across Ohio walked. and Pennsylvania. And <laughs> he walked all the way from Detroit to New York before anyone went, Did you notice that giant red robot that was walking? This is the first, this is the first time... Anybody decides to stop him. And we're in Pennsylvania. We know that, like, the whole northern half of our state is just forests. Like, yes. if the Avengers wanted to take him down without... There's plenty you know, of places to yeah, go. Without injuring anyone. All right. So, you're now in New York State. You're right by the city. And you start to be harassed by superheroes. Instead of fighting them, the first thing you do is take off and fly away. Because right. you, you want to... Con- you can land on the coast of Spain and maybe conserve some fuel there then, right? Well, yeah. Or, <laughs> or even, I would say, you know, the distance between the United States and Russia is so great that if you if you take off 30 miles sooner than you would expect it to, that can't possibly be yeah. what it takes for your fuel to... So, this whole plot line I find faulty. The logic of this whole plot doesn't work. That's that's my big problem with this, with this storyline. Also... The trope in comics where apparently every child under the age of 10 lies constantly <laughs> drives me crazy. Because when the little kid tells his dad there's a giant red robot, of course the dad says, what have I told you about telling lies? Because that's what every parent in the Marvel Universe tells their child when they see a superhero or a supervillain. You would think, knowing that superheroes and all this stuff exist, that they'd be like, what, what, what'd you see? Especially now, it was one thing when... When the kid's mom didn't believe them when she saw Spider-Man jumping on a building in 1963. Because there wasn't a ton of superheroes at that point in time. But it's now 1980 in the Marvel Universe. And these people live near New York. Yeah, there's been a few alien invasions already, I think. Right? Galactus has come to eat the planet. I think by that point in time, you believe almost anything. I just wanted to point out the scene where... Ms. Marvel reveals her identity to Wanda. I have a problem believing that a hospital would have admitted Ms. Marvel without actually knowing her identity. Well, at the very least, they'd want insurance information. And she's going to come walking in, and they're going to let her come in in a costume with a mask and not say who she is, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, here's your here's your bed right here. I would actually believe it if she had her Avengers priority card. They That's are magic. top-of-the-line security they're clearance magic. right there. All you but, have to do is look at a machine, and you get a card. I don't know if she actually did have it or not. But in any case, they'd still want to know about your about your insurance. Did they have insurance? Did they have insurance in 1980? Did the Avengers have insurance as well? Probably. God, those premiums must be ridiculously right? high. Stan Soapbox? Stan Soapbox asks readers to send in a survey about TV cartoons, what they like, don't like, and how to make them better. He promises to print the results, which will give him a topic for at least one more column. I like that he also says he could talk about gossip, but that's what the bullpen bulletins are for, proving that Stanley does not read Marvel comics since they haven't had a bulletin, bullpen bulletins in like six months. Uh, any letters? Elizabeth Holden of Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, lets us know that she liked everything about George Perez's art except the Wasp's new one-legged costume. Yeah, we all agree on that one. Right there with you. Sorry, George. And Richard Zarek of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, points out that an episode of M.A.S.H., Featured a comic that didn't come out until at least 10 years after the Korean War ended. Oops. There's also a response to a, a gentleman by the name of Russell Fry where Michelini says he believes people care more about the characters in comics than the action in comics. And I, I, I think that that's somewhat true, somewhat true. But I think in 1980 that was a pretty novel notion. Because I think Marvel still wanted to try and get some action in almost every issue. Yeah, we'll see the Avengers eventually in the 80s here turn into... More of a soap opera kind of... Yeah, very soap opera-y. Though there is some great action as well. Yeah. yeah. MVP. 
I picked Wonder Man because he punches a hole in a robot despite being drunk. Um, I'm going... I'm going to do what I did last year. My MVP is Captain America, the man with a plan. My useless character is Captain America, the man with a plan that doesn't work. <laughs> My useless character is Iron Man. Come on, aim for the eye holes. <laughs> Uh, did you have a quote taken out of context? I do not. Even with my superhuman strength, I can't so much as leave a hickey. <laughs> uh, Avengers level threat? Sure. Yeah, I think Red Ronin is. Why not? Uh, what was your final grade? I gave it a C. An average plot. There's a lot of stupid action going on in this one. I gave it a B minus. What? You I just said that you hated the whole plot. Well, but there's fun action going on. And look, here's the thing. Obviously, Tony. Oh, here's, here's the thing. Okay. Here's the thing. I think David Michelini said, you know what I want to do? I want the Avengers to fight a giant robot. And fair enough, I want the Avengers to fight a giant robot. And I like the characterizations and all that stuff is good. It's just that I don't think he worked hard enough on figuring out a good reason for the Avengers to fight the giant robot. Yeah. That's my problem. Yeah, I got you. That is the thing. You're right. One more. Avengers number 199 from September of 1980 called Last Stand on Long Island. Again... By David Michelini and George Perez. Hawkeye is a resourceful guy. Jason likes him. Readers like him. Heck, I like him. And one of the reasons is because he's often able to take down foes much more powerful than he is. However, even Hawkeye can only do so much against a gigantic red robot. Bless his little sexist heart, though. He's still giving it his all, firing arrow after arrow at Red Ronin. He's trying desperately to think of a plan when suddenly, flying in from out of nowhere, comes an Avengers Quinjet piloted by Wonder Man. Wonder Man aims the Quinjet at the metal monster and bails out, hoping the resulting collision will damage the out-of-control robot, but no go. Red Ronin destroys the Quinjet with his laser blade before it can touch him. Red Ronin then turns around and walks away into the Long Island Sound. After a quick round of, I don't know where the rest of the team is, I thought they were with you. The rest of the team shows up, since tracking a 60-foot-tall bright red metal machine who destroys everything around itself is something that even the Avengers can do. Our two heroes join their comrades aboard the S.H.I.E.L.D. airship Behemoth. Once everyone is assembled, it's a perfect time for a flashback to last issue and an update on the plot that Jason already explained so well. It's also a good time to remind everyone that the Beast and Jocasta are still inside Red Ronin, but that's not going to stop the Avengers and S.H.I.E.L.D. from trying to destroy the robot anyway. It's also a perfect segue for us to look in on our bouncing blue mutant and metal madam as they try to stop Red Ronin from within. They're making their way to the control room, where Dr. Cohen is just regaining consciousness. He's a little confused about what happened while he was unconscious, and even more frustrated that his control ink is severed, and Ronin is stuck on his last command... Destroy! And Ronan is doing just that, going ashore again and stomping around like some sort of giant radioactive lizard. But the Avengers aren't far behind, and Nick Fury's been talking with the original designers of Red Ronan, who have given the team a plan. They'll basically annoy Ronan so he'll throw his shield, which the Avengers deflect so they can capture it. Once they have it, Iron Man starts teching some tech on it, while the rest of the team keeps Ronan busy. Finally, Iron Man activates the laser blade in the shield, which Vision and Wonder Man wield in a successful attempt to cut off one of Ronin's legs. When the robot falls, the team continues to use the laser blade to keep cutting pieces off the robot, destroying both legs. Unfortunately, the team overloads the laser blade and it shorts out before it can completely destroy Red Ronin. Jocasta and Beast have reached the control center of the robot, and Jocasta and Dr. Cohen are trying desperately to stop the robot from inside, while the Beast just... Sits there? Well, no time to worry about him, because the top half of Ronan is still active, crawling toward the Long Island Expressway, apparently just so it can crush some cars. 
The Avengers are trying to stop it, but even half of this robot is still a lot of robot, and they don't think they can stop it in time. The tension is unbearable as Ronan raises a fist over the car zooming by, cars that apparently don't notice the giant robot bearing down on them, and then... nothing. Ronan stops. Turns out the Beast was sitting still looking for the right way to turn the robot off, which he found. The robot is now defeated and cleanup can begin, which we won't watch because how boring is that? So, time to wrap up. Let's see. Dr. Cohen will be institutionalized since he's more crazy than criminal. No one died during the entire affair, which seems impossible, but whatever. Hawkeye is coming back to the mansion to help with debriefing so we can have him for the next plot. And then we're back at the mansion where the Scarlet Witch and a very pregnant Ms. Marvel are waiting for them along with Dr. Don Blake, the civilian identity of Thor. Ms. Marvel introduces herself to everyone as Carol Danvers, and she toddles off with Blake to have some tests run, while the Vision welcomes his wife home. You know, not like that. <laughs> that evening, everything is calmed down, with Cap, Hawkeye, Jan, and the Beast hanging out and drinking cocoa. Suddenly, Blake bursts into the room, half-crazed, stating that Carol's gone into labor, and it's a doozy. To be continued in our next exciting episode. <laughs> All right, our roll call this time is Wonder Man, Captain America, Iron Man, Yellow Jacket, The Wasp, Vision, and the Beast. We have Hawkeye, Nick Fury, Joe Castor, The Scholar Witch, Carol Danvers, and Thor, well, Dr. Blake, showing up. And our villain is, again, Red Ronin. And I have almost no comments on this, so it should go quick. All right, let's start from the beginning. I will. My first comment, I just thought it was funny that Hawkeye's trying to... Hawkeye's using arrows against a giant robot. How, how hopeful of him. you got to give him credit. Um, how The Quinjet shows up. For Hawkeye, how is the Quinjet yelling at Hawkeye? Do you see the first panel up on the on the? You mean because Hawkeye? Well, I'm assuming that Wonder Man has I don't know rolled down the window. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. I saw this word balloon on the side of the panel, and then the very next panel is it's the Quinjet. Like what? How is the Quinjet yelling at him? It's a nice idea of Wonder Man's. I kind of like it. It's not put, a bad put idea. Put the window down. No, no, I'm trying to ram the Quinjet into Red Ronin. Yeah, I guess. Though so you have to think because does the Quinjet really hit harder than he does? And did that the, cost money. I was going to say, did the Quinjet cost like 12 bucks? No, I don't think so. <laughs> really wasn't his to crash, was it? Um, can someone please ask Wasp and Yellowjacket why they didn't just fly back into the eye holes and return to normal size? I just wanted to bring that up again. Are you crazy? They get blown right back out again. Uh, I know, Hawkeye makes a Jimmy Carter joke, which I thought is a few months past his due date. It is now... Uh, yeah, it's, we're in the Reagan years now. Yeah, so, you know, shouldn't it have been a jelly bean joke? I did like, when Hawkeye comes aboard, uh, there's a, a little bit of banter between him, Iron Man, and Pym that I like, where, where Iron Man says, um, should we check Hawkeye's ID, Yellow Jacket? And Yellow Jacket's response is, no need, I recognize his ego, <laughs> which I thought was amusing. So Jocasta and, and Beast are inside the robot's leg, right? They are, yes, but they're climbing through the robot. Right. Well, Jocasta zaps some cables inside the leg, and nothing happens? They were redundant. I'm pretty sure those cables did something. No, they I were was, all redundant cables. I was driving over here to Avengers Mansion today to record the podcast, and I was thinking about this, and I'm like, if I was a giant robot and there were things in my leg and they shot a muscle or something, I would think that I would at least, it would register somewhere. <laughs> my knee might buckle a little bit. I'm like, well, this... And I can understand why you'd say that, Jason, but I am, I know a lot about giant robots. And usually you will have cables in your legs just to attack. Just in case someone comes just in Just in case someone is crawling through your leg. Like an extra layer of the like, re- redundancy cables. Gotcha. They're like white blood cells. They're protecting their leg from the fo- from the foreign matter that is Beast and Jocasta. Okay, well then think about this from, from the outside then. They're pretty sure that Jocasta and Beast are in the robot somewhere. Yes. 
And yet, Iron Man gets this thing, and they just start haphazardly slicing this robot up without ever trying to check in with their friends. Can't they communicate with Jocasta? Well, Iron Man made it clear, because that was Wonder Man's problem. Wonder Man's like, we can't attack the robot. That's where Beast and Jocasta are. And Iron Man's like, too bad for them. They knew what they were getting into. Yeah. Like, literally getting into. And then Iron Man and Vision are ripping up the robot from the inside, and that does nothing either. What is this robot made of? I, I think part of the idea is that this robot is so big... That when you're when you're when you're destroying things, even if you're just, you might be taking out tiny systems of yes, the robot. But, but no. there's so much of it because again, they they bisect this robot, and it's still a danger crawling along the ground on its arms. Bisected and it's, still and, huge. It's, and it's missing a fist too. It has like half of one arm, and and yet a tiny cable like comes from a set of headphones that Beast pulls is the thing that turns the robot off. Yes, really. How melodramatic of them. Again, Jason, I can see why you would say that. But and it's I like know a lot le- about giant robots. It's like the beginning of the one lethal weapon movie, was it two or three, where they're going to defuse that bomb and, and it all and then we you know, any show, like MacGyver, when they get down to the last second and they defuse it just as the last second. That's yes. what they it's, it's such a trope. I like when they all come back and they see Carol Danvers there and they don't all recognize her. Suddenly Miss Marvel isn't wearing, you know, a small domino mask over her eyes and now we have no idea who she is. Who's that blonde? Who's yeah. this strange blonde that looks exactly like Ms. Marvel except doesn't have a mask on her face? Well, it's a comic book joke. Also, she is very pregnant. Well, but no, but they had just seen her a few days ago, so they wouldn't be like, well, I just saw Ms. Marvel Tuesday and she wasn't pregnant like this. <laughs> There's no way she could not be still pregnant again. What? Uh, and my last note was, hey, look, it's the world's greatest doctor. <laughs> I, I'm, with Don Blake here, everything is going to be okay. You know it. Do you have any other notes? Uh, just on bullpen bulletins, which there, isn't here. There are no bullpen bulletins. There yeah. are also no letters. It's a gigantic full-page ad where Marvel, basically Jim Shooter writes a letter uh, apologizing for raising the cost of the comics again. They're now 50 cents. They were 40. Son of a... They were 40 cents. They went up to 50. And so what he's going, doing is they're having a contest. You have to answer one of three questions, depending on your age. And if you do that and send your thing in... You can win prizes, including up to $2,500 in cash, or copies of the Origins of Marvel Comics, or subscriptions to a comic. They're giving away 1, 2, 3, 103, 353 prizes. So Jason, if you're 10 years well, is it going to be our questions for next episode? They could be. <laughs> Should we save them for next episode? Yeah, let's save them. We have All a question right. for next episode. That's it. I got, we got nothing else, as you said. So, MVP? Uh, Beast, I guess. Yeah, I give it to Beast. It's been a while since he's gotten it, and I'm happy to do that. Because he's pulled a plug. Useless character? Uh, I gave it to Wonder Man, because that Quinjet's coming out of his paycheck. <laughs> I gave it to Wasp. I figured if we're going to give Beast the MVP for the first time in a while, I'll give her useless for the first time in a while. I mean, this to be fair, this is out of her league, but she doesn't really do anything. Did you have a quote you liked? As far as we know, they're still inside Red Ronin. Ew. <laughs> uh, Avengers level threat, I think we still say yes. Yeah, at least to the civilians around, sure. Final grade? I, I gave it a C again. They pulled the plug at the last second. There's a very haphazard plan and lots of destruction. I wouldn't call it a ringing success. I give it a B- minus again for the same reason as last issue, because much like you, this bit's the same as last issue. Uh, and Ronin is kind of a boring villain, because he doesn't really talk. He's having real motivations. Yeah, the guy got knocked out like an issue and a half ago. So. Yeah. All right. On our next episode, congratulations. Someone's having a baby, which immediately becomes an adult, starts some sort of time travel plot, and then convinces one of our members to go with them. Then Wasp returns from vacation, Hawkeye needs a place to crash, and a robot breaks into the mansion. Oh, comic books. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you want to stay in touch with us, you can find us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Avenging Hour, and our email address is mail at avengingour.com. Thanks for sticking around.